Happy Monday, everyone. I, full transparency, I just recorded a podcast for 20 minutes, dripping sweat because I turned off my air conditioning. I didn't want the air conditioning in the background. Um, And then I realized halfway through recording that podcast that I was fucking miserable. My boobs were sweating. I'm pregnant. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just going to record with the air conditioning on. And hopefully you guys can't hear it or don't judge me. Um, But honestly, I'm just getting the hang of this whole podcasting thing. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, which I'm assuming most of you do at this point, you've, you've followed along with the journey of me deciding to do the podcast and then figuring out how to do the podcast and not really knowing what I'm doing. Um, My previous podcast, we had very specific uh, job responsibilities. And I was in charge of the social media and, you know, doing all that. And then she was in charge of the sound, the audio, and I never really had to deal with it. So now I'm figuring it out all on my own. And half the time I'm recording, I don't even know if I'm recording this right. <laughs> but I felt like if I didn't just start this podcast, especially with my baby come my my daughter coming, that it would never happen. And while it's so terrifying still to do this, I felt like it was really important because I do I do know that I have a voice. I do know that I have a voice beyond social media. And and I and I want that outlet with you guys, whether that's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. There's some things I just don't want to share on Instagram. And Instagram can feel like a bottomless pit. It can feel like a dark hole. A lot of you, a lot of you are overwhelmed by Instagram. And I feel the same way. You know, I feel like if I'm listening to a podcast on my way to work or on my way to the doctor's office or whatever it may be, it doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time. And sometimes Instagram, you know, you're scrolling and you're just like, oh shit, I've been on Instagram for fucking seven hours today. Like what have I even done? So I felt like this podcast needed to happen. I spend so much time on social media, creating really great content for you guys. I'm constantly thinking up new blog posts to write and newsletters that you'll love And that is my full-time job. So I'm okay with that, but it makes sense for me to have a podcast. It just does. So if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I want my own podcast, really think about it before you start. Because honestly, my last podcast ended, I guess it ended at the beginning of the year and it's now July. And so I I really took that six months to think, okay, do I actually want a podcast? Do I think that I want one? Do I want one because everyone else has one? And I realized, no, I mean, I had a podcast before, before people started doing these beauty business podcasts, truthfully, I have no shame. And I will say that, I mean, we had started our podcast, what, in 2000, I think it was 17, 18. And now there's just beauty business podcasts on every freaking corner, Um, And that's totally okay. But I've had this platform for so long. Again, I work so hard on my content, making sure that that it's content that you guys enjoy and you guys want a podcast. So I'm here. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm excited because I have so much more to share and I, and I cut myself off on social media for a few reasons. One being 
it just feels invasive. There's things that I just don't feel comfortable sharing through video on Instagram to, you know, my friends and family are on there. My fiance luckily doesn't have Instagram, so he doesn't even know what I do on mine, which I think is like one of the best things about our relationship. But I just don't need to share things that my friends and family could so easily scroll through and see. I'm also not very aware that I'm not an influencer. I don't consider myself an influencer. Um, When I got onto social media way back in the day, for one, there was no social media like this. There were no podcasts. Two, there weren't Instagram stories where you could give the details of your daily life. People were not documenting their lives like Instagram is today. And even when it started popping out all these features, even when I can't even remember when Instagram stories became a thing, but I was still just using it for selling products. I don't even think you guys really saw me on my, my Instagram very often as me. It was mostly just pictures of the t-shirts I was selling. And then I'd say around 2017, 18, I think it was 2017 was when Someone told me, oh, Kim, the owner of Borboletta, told me, she was like, you really need to show your face more on your social media. People need to know who you are because right now it's just, it was Lash Love Apparel at the time. So I thought, okay, maybe I should. So I started doing, you know, more professional photo shoots and I started sharing more about my business and how I built it and how I had no idea what I was doing. I think that was relatable because... Most of you listening have no clue what you're doing too. And I actually posted something on Instagram last week, like a funny reel um, that was basically like, does is anyone supposed to know what they're doing? Okay, cool. Just wanted to check. And that's how I feel every day. So that was my first funny reel that I've ever done. I've wanted to do more, but truthfully, they're so time consuming that I just couldn't even, I, I can't go there. But I did do that one and it, and it was, it. I got a good laugh out of it or I thought it was funny, but so once I started sharing more about how I was doing things, why I was doing things, that's when my business really shifted and people were like, oh, wow, she's a, she's a human. She's a girl. She's my age. She, she also does lashes and skincare and wow, she's built this online business. And I think it's something that people could really connect to and that, uh, people were looking for at the time, but I never wanted to share my personal life. I just wanted to, I was just sharing business tips and, you know, being in my treatment room. And then, you know, over the years, it's just, I guess it's just evolved more into me sharing a little bit more personal, but I still won't fully go there. Could I be way more transparent and open and share much more of my life? Absolutely. There's a lot of influencers that I see out there that do that. And part of me is like, I know I could do that. And I know that you guys would be really interested in it. I just, I just, I do know that, but I'm not willing to go there with my business. That's not what I want to be known for. That's not what I want to use my platform for. I even struggle sometimes when people are like, what shoes are you wearing? Can you link them? And because that's not what my platform is for. It was really for sharing my experiences of being, you know, of taking clients of dealing with no shows, of dealing with customer service issues, of dealing with like shipping and what I do at my office. And then it just kind of spiraled and people wanted to know what I was wearing and what I was eating. And 
it's been kind of struggle, a struggle for me because the days that I don't share that stuff, I feel like I'm not doing enough when actually I'm really, really busy. <laughs> but again, the point of my platform is to share content, content that will help you with your business, uh, relatable stories. You know, I know I'm not in my treatment room with you guys and that honestly has been a major insecurity of mine over the past year as my business has shifted is that I'm not taking clients. And so truthfully, one of my fears has been, okay, can they relate to me still? Like, do they feel connected to me still? And I, I think that is just my own insecurity because you guys are actually so great about reassuring me of like, you know, telling me how helpful my tips are, how helpful my blog is, what I share. And so I think it's just something I need to get over is that what I'm doing is enough. But I do have those days where I'm like, fuck, if I was in my treatment room, I'd have a lot more to share. And it's just the reality that my business has changed. You know, there's truthfully, there's nothing I can do about it. I will probably never go back to taking clients. Um, not because I don't want to, I actually really, really miss it. But, you know, I hurt my neck last year and it's just not worth it to me uh, for health reasons. And I also love that I get to do things like this and I get to help you guys more and that I get to uh, offer my online coaching, which is something I never would have had time for if I was still taking lash clients. So I get to take clients just in a different way. And I actually find coaching you and talking to you for an hour and helping you with your social media or your website, I find that so much more fulfilling than what I was doing before. That's not to knock what I was doing before, but I just think I'm meant to be where I am right now. So on that note, I have to say, I went to Whole Foods earlier and I got a green juice. I got kale, apple, celery, cucumber, lemon, and three old dudes, like one of them like beelined it from out of nowhere to ask me when my due date was. And then the other one was like, you're glowing. You look so great. Good for you. And I thought like, I, it's going to suck not being pregnant. People are so nice to you when you're pregnant. I've also heard once you become a mom and you have the kids, people don't give a shit about you. <laughs> and that's probably, there's probably some truth behind that. But I will say that it's just a new experience for me. And I'm sure if anyone out there has been pregnant or is pregnant, if you're not, I'm sorry, this is boring. I will cut it short. But you know, when you're in your 20s, I used to work in nightclubs. I used to get hit on a lot. And that was a different kind of attention. But carrying a child and ordering a green juice when it's the day after 4th of July and really I should be waking up drinking mimosas uh, and having someone applaud you and tell you that you're like doing so great and you're going to love having a baby and you're glowing, that's just like another level a flattery that I've never experienced before. So I'm going to be really sad when it's over. I'm sipping my green juice. Sorry. Mm. Okay. I felt like today I wanted to share about how I went from being an esthetician to then all of a sudden deciding, okay, I want to create my own, my own products because when I decided this, this was not a trendy thing. This was before creating your own products was a thing. I don't say that in a negative way. I'm just being honest. Like back then and 
that totally ages me. I'm 36. I'm very young. But back then, creating your your own products was not what it is now. I feel like everyone now is so rushed to have their own product line, to, you know, sell their own retail. And it's just not what it was before. So at the time when I when I'd become an esthetician, the only brands that I really looked at for inspiration were Kelly Baker Brows and Anastasia Beverly Hills, who was also a, the brow queen, I would say. Those are those were really the only two options for me at that point. Uh, I went to esthetician school because I was really, really, really into eyebrows. I think because I always had great eyebrows and then I plucked the shit out of them in high school and they basically disappeared. I actually shared a photo on Instagram the other day of my high school senior picture and I'm not kidding you. They were pencil thin. Like I don't know how they grew back, but they grew back and then I just got really, really into brows. So those were the two women that I looked to look towards for inspiration. Um, at the time, I hadn't even tapped into the lash industry yet but I saw what Kelly Baker was doing and what she had created and I definitely took a lot of inspiration from her brand when I decided that I wanted to create my own um she was and is a beauty professional who created her own line of products and was also the face of her business and I found that so fascinating because that wasn't really being done back then and I feel like now it's all over the place, but I just specifically remember loving Kelly Baker's The Style. I loved that she had the products. I loved that she was the face of her brand. She seemed very relatable. She was young and she still did brows. She offered training, but she was still in there doing brows. Again, relatable. Really, really loved that about her. So I felt, I just felt very connected to what she was doing. Also, I have to say, shout out to Kelly Baker because I've actually gotten to chat with her in my DMs a lot, which is a pinch me moment. Um, and I've been to her salon in Santa Monica. It's beautiful. She's also shared a couple of my teas on her Instagram, which I thought was very, very cool. And I'm hoping I can get her on this podcast. I've DM'd her about it and she's... She's been totally down, so it's just a matter of me organizing it. But she is very cool. She's relatable, and she's just like me. And what I mean by that is she's someone you would just want to hang out with. When you look at her stories, when you follow her journey, it doesn't feel unattainable, right? You know how when you watch certain people and you're like, I could never do that, <laughs> For one, I don't have the money. Two, I don't have the team. I don't have the backing that that person does. And there's something about that person that just doesn't feel relatable. I know that I'm always looking for inspiration with people that I feel like are on my same level. And maybe they're also above me, but that I, I know that I could get there. It doesn't feel good to follow someone that's like living in a mansion in Malibu because that's just not me. And probably never will be. And I don't really necessarily want it to be. Okay, yes, I would take a mansion in Malibu. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think why a lot of you guys listen to me and 
well, for one, I think I'm not annoying, <laughs> but is because I'm relatable and I've always wanted to be relatable. I don't live a lavish life. My office, honestly, I wish it was in a better location. I am redecorating it all the time because I'm never happy with it. I don't live in a mansion. I'm not a millionaire. Um, I'm just a normal chick trying to figure it out. And I think that's relatable. And so that's why I liked Kelly Baker back in the day. But okay, I'm getting off track. So if you have not been caught up, go listen to the previous episode. Okay, before you even get into this episode, because it kind of goes in order. So we're at the stage in my career, <laughs> career, I didn't even, I was barely an esthetician, but I, so I've been working at Burke Williams now for a good six months. And again, go back to my old podcast episode because you'll understand what I'm talking about. So I've graduated, I've made all these moves in my life. I'm in this weird place in my life. And I'm like, if I can just get a job at Burke Williams, everything's going to be great. It's my dream job. Okay. I can already feel my hands and wrists completely breaking down six months into working at Burke Williams. <laughs> like literally at the beginning stages of, of my career, I'm so excited about being an esthetician. And then now I'm working at this place where I'm having to ice my wrists every single day, which I thought was asinine. I mean, I get it now. I get the like the self-care, taking care of your body, but they were working us so hard. They had ice buckets in the back, obviously for us to take care of our our hands and our wrists. And I, and I appreciate that, but we were taking, oh my gosh, I think I was taking six facial clients a day and they had a mandatory... I say mandatory is because they would have, you know, secret shopper type people come in. And if you did not do this part of the facial, like you'd basically get fired. But it was a 20 minute neck and shoulder and foot massage. And you had to do it. And it was 20 minutes. It's basically like half the facial. Okay. Also, I didn't go to school for massage therapy. So wasn't prepared for this. My body wasn't prepared for this. And and I get it. They're like, you know, use your, you don't want to use your hands. You want to use your body. And they're just trying to share all these techniques. But again, I'm not a massage therapist. So I'm in there. My hands are breaking down. I like, I feel so much pain that I already don't know how to keep going like this. Maybe I carpal tunnel runs in my family. Maybe my wrists were already weak. I don't really know, but I was working four days a week. I was taking five to six clients a day and I would get a 30 minute break. I'd have to do that 20 minute massage on every client. And I was doing the icing that I was supposed to, but my body was already breaking down and I was 27. <laughs> So I pretty quickly was like, okay, wow, maybe this isn't, I can't, maybe I can't do this. I remember telling them, you know, that I was having a lot of pain and the option of course was, okay, well you keep working or you apply for disability, meaning you don't make shit. Uh, so I just kept working through it. I didn't really have any options. I got one of those machines, those like the TENS unit where you put the little pads on your wrist and it sends like the electric shock waves through it. I got that. I got wrist braces. I was icing at home. 
I was walking around with with wrist braces. I ended up going to the doctor and he's like, yeah, you have beginning stages of carpal tunnel. Cool. Okay. So I, I already felt so defeated with that job and I just knew that working that way wasn't working for me. So I have to, though, talk about why I appreciated that job. And I think it's important for anyone listening who's just starting out. And I imagine Burke Williams has changed their protocols. And this is not a shit talking on on Burke Williams. I actually think what they teach you is fantastic. I think the structure of the company was great. The product knowledge, great. Retail techniques um, and just the goal setting was all, those were all things that I definitely needed before I could step out on my own. So for anyone listening who's just starting out in the industry or thinking about becoming an esthetician or a lash artist or anything in that industry, there is a ton of value that you can take from a corporate, more structured job where they have systems in place, rules to follow, and expectations from their, their employees that are usually pretty clear. Okay, are those corporate places perfect? No. But when you're a fresh esthetician, and I feel so passionately about this. When you're a fresh, fresh esthetician coming out of school, what you need is guidance, support, rules, techniques in your bag. You need product knowledge and you just need practice. You need practice. <laughs> and you're just not going to get that type of practice just going out on your own completely blind. I know there's that small percentage of people that are the exception to the rule. But in my opinion, what you don't need to do is to venture into the dark by yourself with no roadmap. That's just, that is just my opinion. So I've gotten a lot of DMs over the years of women who have graduated esthetician school. A lot of you have said like, I listened to your podcast or I found you and I decided to go to esthetician school and that's so great. But then you're immediately like, okay, I need to work for myself. Or my next move is to find my own place and to be my own boss. And er, okay, newsflash, <laughs> don't do that. Unless you're so beyond confident that you can do it and you have clients like ready and willing and you have all of your ducks in a row, I just think that it's so important to go work for someone else first. So that's just my little piece of advice. Um, I always worked for chain restaurants like my whole life. I worked at <laughs> Coco's for a very long time. They have some of the best pie I've ever had. Uh, I also worked for, I worked for Hollister, which is you know, a corporate like clothing company. Then I worked for Hooters for four years. Shout out to Hooters. I love Hooters. And then I worked for the Hard Rock for four years, another corporate um hotel slash at the time it was like a club that I worked at um so I've taken a lot of what I've learned from these corporate places without even knowing it most of what I've taken is from working at I will say Hooters and the Hard Rock working at a nightclub because if 
for one, Hooters has the most insane or did at the time 16 steps to customer service. These were non-negotiable things that you had to hit with every single customer that walked in the door. You had to greet them within a certain amount of time. And if I can remember these, I'm going to be very impressed. You had to, they had to be seated within 30 seconds, greeted within 30 seconds. You had to bring back their drinks within three minutes. You had to offer appetizers. You had to mention uh, fries with every, no matter what your customer ordered, you had to say, would you like to add fries with that? And it was so funny when women would come in and order a salad and I'd say, oh, do you want to add fries? I felt ridiculous. You had to mention dessert, any promos that were happening. You had to sit down and talk with your table for a few minutes. But so at the time it sounded crazy and it was super annoying. But if you think about it, those steps are pretty much exactly what I was doing with, with, uh, or being in an esthetician. You know, you want to greet your client. You want them to be seated and taken care of immediately. You want to mention promos. You want to mention retail. You want to connect with them for a few minutes. You want to make sure that you're offering add-ons. So it's just funny to look back and see how much of what I've learned is from working at Hooters, wearing these tiny orange shorts. And then working at Hard Rock, you know, if you can sell a $500 bottle of vodka to people, you should be able to sell an, an SPF to your client. So I really gained a lot of confidence with my, my retail because I worked at a nightclub and I could truthfully sell anything to anyone. So anyway, that just goes back to having those jobs that are more structured, where there's goal setting, where they're pushing you to meet, you know, daily, weekly, monthly goals. And also maybe it's a job that you don't think has anything to do with the beauty industry. But again, I will say a lot of my job experience um, I've brought into, you know, owning my own business and working with clients. So, okay, Burke Williams, it didn't last. Like I lasted, I think I got, I got the job on my birthday and then I made it to, I, I want to say September. I don't even think I made it that long, sadly, but I started at least looking for a supplemental place that I could work at because I was only working there part-time. So I thought, okay, maybe I can scale back on this, but then go find a place that's a little bit more boutique-y and maybe there's like a little bit more flexibility and freedom. So I started looking on Craigslist for other jobs um, in the area. And I have to say like one of the main reasons I really wanted to not work there anymore was because <laughs> their uniforms were so terrible. And I just, I was so over wearing uniforms. My whole life I've had to work uniforms for work. And I just, I was just over it. Um, so when I was working there, I just like started feeling a little bit depressed. I felt like I was taking 85 step backwards from what my life used to look like. And I'm sure so many of you can relate, especially with beauty school. Um, for some, it can be a huge leap of faith and it can actually set you back before it propels you forward. For me, for example, before beauty school, and I say beauty school because I'm I'm lumping it all together, like hair, makeup, skin, lashes, whatever. I was making probably, okay, I was working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and 
making at least a thousand dollars a night. So, okay, you do the math and I'm working five, six hours. And then my weeks were free. I got to party for a living <laughs> and that was a really hard job to let go of because it was so fun. Everyone around me was fine with continuing to do it, but I just knew that I didn't want to do it forever. And I talk about that in the, in the other podcast, but so now I'm here and I'm, I'm an esthetician and yay, that's great. But I'm making, I was making like $20 a facial or something. And then take away taxes. I mean, you do the math. Like I was making shit. And I know, again, so many of you can relate to this of like, man, did I make the right decision? Because I was financially independent. I had my own place in San Diego. I had the life that, you know, everybody would want, right? It's like I could buy whatever and I could eat whatever. And I just, I was always used to having my own money my whole life. And then here I was at 27, 28 in this smock that was so ugly in this dark hole of a place. And I was like, I don't want to be here. This is so, <laughs> this is so depressing. I'm, I can barely pay my bills. And for what? Because I needed to step away from what I was doing before and I needed to find my, my career. I mean, yes, that's why I was doing it. But anyhow, I hope that that's, that's relatable of like, you know that you need to make a change, but that change might not look like you are moving forward. It might look like you are moving backwards at a rapid pace. And a lot of us have been there. I've been there. So I can, I can totally relate to that. It was a really hard time in my life. Um, anyhow, so I'm totally off track. Okay, we're getting back on track. <laughs> thinking about that time in my life, it actually makes me, it makes me sad because I remember who I was during that time. And it was a really, really hard transition in my life. So if anyone is listening, who's going through maybe a similar situation, whether you've just graduated school or you're leaving a job that maybe, you know, pays well, but you're just not happy and you want to move forward and do things differently, just know that it might be hard for a little while. And it, it definitely was for me. <laughs> I remember like sitting in the food court before work and I would want to quit every single day, every day. I couldn't even afford the food at the food court. I don't know how I was eating there. I just felt like I didn't become an esthetician to make $20 a facial and work Friday through Sunday nights because that's the hours they gave me. They gave me Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night from three to 10. The worst shifts ever. Also, Who's doing facials at 10 o'clock at night? So I was like royally pissed about this. If I wanted to work weekend nights, I would have just gone back to bottle service and made like 100,000 times more than what I was currently making. <laughs> now looking back, I can laugh at it, but it was a really, really hard time. And it was like that for a good couple years, you know, maybe, maybe like three or four years of just weird transitions, knowing I needed to get out of a life I was living, knowing I needed to change up my my job and figure out what I wanted to do. I remember hitting that like quarter life crisis at 25 and I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm just selling vodka for a living. I need to be doing something more meaningful. So I've been through all of that. At that time, I just decided I wanted to find something else I could do part-time, like maybe at a more trendy boutique that 
allowed me a little bit more creative freedom, but mostly somewhere I didn't have to wear the smock. <laughs> also, side note about me, I'm I'm closet like very vain. So I really care about what I look like, meaning what my outfits look like. It's not like I wear a lot of makeup or I'm high maintenance. I just, putting me in that smock was not who I was meant to be. She was not meant to be a girl wearing a smock. Um, so anyhow, when I first started deciding where I wanted to look for work, and I think this is another key thing that's important if you're listening, if you're just starting out and you're trying to figure out where do I want to work, I immediately thought of where my ideal clients were. So at the time I was living in a town outside of LA, it's like more suburbia. Would it have been easier for me to find a job there? Probably. I wouldn't have had to commute. It would have been more convenient. But I knew that my clients, clients who had money, clients that were more like me, were not in this town. They were more in that LA area, like a, more of a city. So I started looking at places that were uh, maybe a little farther away from where I worked, but that I knew that I could build a clientele that would, I think, just make me more successful, make me more money. They'd be able to refer me for people to me. So that's what I was immediately thinking of is, okay, where is my ideal client? I do believe that that is really, really important when looking for a new job or looking to maybe you're changing locations or something is think about your ideal client. What do they look like? Where are they shopping? Are they spending money? Are they like you? Are they in their 30s? Are they in their 40s? Are they a business owners or do they work nine to fives? I knew that I really, really, really wanted women that worked for themselves or actresses that had a little bit more, more flexibility. Um, I didn't necessarily want the nine to fivers because that was limiting my schedule. So for me at the time, I needed flexibility to be able to leave work early. I didn't want to be taking clients late at night based on the situation that I was in at that time. I knew exactly what I needed. Um, and of course there's wiggle room and I was willing to work nights and weekends um, if I had to, but I basically was like, look, okay, I know I'm new, but I know that down the road, I'm not going to be wanting to work weekends. I know I'm going to want to have a family and I know I'm going to want to pick my kids up from school. So I was thinking about all those things, even though I was this brand new esthetician. And I just, I decided to set boundaries immediately. And I do think that that really helped me down the road. I set those boundaries immediately. And yes, again, there's wiggle room. I didn't think that, oh, I'm too good to work weekends or I'm too good to work nights. But guess what? I only worked one evening and I did work weekends for about one, two, three, four, three years before I gave it up. And I don't think I would have been able to do that so quickly had I not, again, set those boundaries in place from the beginning. So that's the, the second part of the story is how I went from being an esthetician to getting into Burke Williams, then eventually finally finding this boutique place that I fell in love with in Studio City. And Studio City is like home of, you know, actors and actresses and people that like don't work 
And that's the exact kind of client that I wanted. So I found this place. I started working there and I got busy pretty, actually pretty early on. I got really lucky. Um, and I was renting a room part-time, but then also taking clients to offset my rent. So I wasn't having to pay like the full rent. I, and I was cleaning the the studio and I was doing, you know, like answering the phones. And so that's another tip is if you're looking for a job is keep your eyes open, keep your mind open and be kind of willing to do anything. I mean, I was mopping the floors. I was sweeping the floors. I was taking out the trash. I was doing the laundry, whatever I could to get into this place and whatever I could do to, you know, kind of help take care of my rent there because obviously I didn't have clientele. I was still working at Burke Williams and I was still trying to figure everything out. But anyhow, so I'm at this place and I'm slowly building a clientele and it's right around the corner from CBS studio, which is where a ton of shows are filmed. And so I was actually getting um, a good amount of like, no offense, but like D-list celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) which actually is what I wanted. I never actually wanted to do any celeb clients because that just felt way too stressful. But I was definitely getting a lot of actresses, models, um, you know, that weren't like, there were no Jennifer Aniston, but that's okay. I got busy pretty quick there. And I feel very lucky for that. And I will say it's because of the location I was in. There's no way I would have found these people taking clients in suburbia where I was living. It just wasn't going to happen for me. Or it maybe it would have happened, but it would have been a completely different type of clientele. It wasn't the clientele I wanted. So I have to say where I was, I made sure I was in a place that had good traffic flow, that had people calling and asking for appointments, a place that was already established and that was in a great location. Those were things that I was looking for. This is a long-winded story, but you're probably wondering, okay, at what point are you like, I want to make products because that's the whole point of this podcast. Bear with me. (laughs) So I'm taking clients. It's been about a year and my wrists start hurting again and I'm feeling pretty miserable again and defeated and feeling like, whew, I don't know how long I can do this. Like, I don't know how these estheticians are doing it. And I was really into reading books about finance and budgeting and I was reading the four hour work week and I was really, really into it. And I just kept thinking, whew, okay, what am I going to be doing when I'm 40 or 50? Am I going to be in here doing facials? Well, my wrists are crapping out on me, so probably not. At that point, I had taken a lash course and gotten really into lashing and it felt better on my wrists and it also was a little bit more money and your clients, obviously we know with lashes have to come in more often. So I was like, yes, this is my shit. So I'm doing lashes and I just had that aha moment of going back to Kelly Baker, like, okay, Kelly Baker has her own products. Okay, what kind of products would I want to sell? Yes, I can sell other people's, but could I make something for myself that wasn't already being done? Okay, I could have made brow products, but Kelly Baker was already doing that. Anastasia Beverly Hills was already doing that. At the time, there was, you know, like four major lash brands that I started looking to for inspiration. 
and let's see, at the time it was Borboletta, J Brand, EBL, and Sugar Lash, and then, ooh, oh my gosh, I'm blinking. There was another one. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not passionate about lash products per se. Like, I don't see myself making lash adhesive or tweezers or anything like that because it's already been done. What can I make? What can I create for my my clients? And I thought, you know what? I'm really into fashion. I can never figure out what to wear to work. There's all these cute t-shirts in like the health and wellness industry. And, you know, some, there was like some beauty tees that were just done really wrong in my opinion, but there was no cute, trendy, quality shirt that represented the beauty industry that talked about like women loving lashes or loving eyebrows or makeup. And that's why my clients are there because they love all those things. So I thought, okay, maybe I can make t-shirts and I can just sell them in my room to my clients. What a great idea. They're coming here. They love their lashes. They're obsessed. Why wouldn't they wear a shirt? So that's where the idea came from. It actually wasn't about artists. It was about my clients of like, how can I make supplemental income? And how can I, what else can I sell to my client once they're in here? I've already sold them a lash cleanser. Maybe I'm selling them an SPF, but what's something that I could sell them of mine? And that is how the idea came to be of selling lash t-shirts. Initially, it was a ton of beauty inspired graphics and quotes. And then I really niched down into lashes and I'll get into that for another episode. But that's how I got into products. It was what can I sell to my clients that I currently have? Who am I competing with? What do I not want to sell? What do I not want to try to replicate? And what isn't being done? And what wasn't being done at the time was lash apparel. So within like two months, I had found screen printers, found the shirts, found a graphic designer, uh, built my own website. And I like pulled the trigger so fast because I was just really, really inspired and motivated and knew, okay, if I don't do this, I see the lash industry going somewhere. If I don't do this right now, someone else is going to do it. So that's how my story began with creating products. To wrap it up, if you're listening and you're thinking, Ooh, I really, really, really want to create products someday. That's all I can think about. You know, you're looking around and you're seeing everyone else and they have their own product lines. Like I said in the beginning, product lines and creating your own product, it was not a thing six, seven years ago. Now it's everywhere. So if that's something that you want to do, and I can do a whole episode about this, I really want you to think about why you want to do it first. What is your why? Uh, next, I want you to think about who, who are you selling to? And I encourage you to think smaller, not larger with this. So I want you to think about your current clientele that you have, because the hardest part about selling products in an online world is finding the customers, right? But so many of you listening have clients, you have them, they come in every month for their facial or they come in bi-weekly for their lashes, you have the clientele already there. So you need to figure out what do they want? What do they need? What is missing from their skincare routine? What's missing from their lash routine? Or maybe what's just missing from their life that they are obsessed with. Um, but it's all about really figuring out your clientele and what their needs and wants are. 
So thinking about your why, thinking about your clientele that you already have, and then how you are going to make this happen and really mapping it out before you even start the process of doing it. But again, the most important thing is thinking about why. And if your why is because you want passive income, because you want to work less, I want to be very transparent and I want to tell you that I feel like mentally I've never worked harder uh, trying to create passive income for myself. So no, I'm not in the treatment room using my hands, but I'm using my brain more than I ever have. And I wish looking back that I would have appreciated how busy I was in that treatment room at the time instead of thinking, oh, I need to be making passive income. How can I get out of the treatment room? This will be a whole other episode as well. But I just want you to think about both sides, right? We all want passive income. We all want to make money while we sleep. We want to take less clients. We want to take ourselves out of the treatment room. But I will say that so much time and energy goes into creating this online brand that I have and selling these products and coming up with new ideas and new concepts and photo shoots and marketing tools that I need to be using. So I just want to leave you with that is if you're taking clients full time and you're feeling like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Okay. Definitely think about scaling back for sure, but I wouldn't give up your clients just yet. (laughs) And that's all I'm going to say for now. So We're just starting out on this podcast journey together and I'm looking at the time and I'm like, okay, it's 45 minutes. Truthfully, I see myself podcasting around the 30 minute mark um, because I just don't want to get too long winded and I don't love when podcasts are super, super long. I want to be able to listen to it in one car ride. So my goal is to keep them pretty short and sweet. I want to cover a wide range of topics, you know, everything from like branding and social media and customer service tips and just like ways to unwind as an artist. But I also want to share just, you know, a little, a little bit of personal, what I'm going through my pregnancy, as you guys know, like I'm going to be giving birth in three weeks, hopefully if all goes well. So that's pretty wild. And so I don't know when this podcast will come out, but I hope you guys will follow along on this new journey with me. I'm I'm really excited. I'm also really still nervous about podcasting and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this, but I want to do it one for you and one for myself. I'm ready to get my groove back. I do feel that I have a lot to share more in depth and I think the only place to do it is on this podcast. So If you have any suggestions, if you have any topics that you want me to cover, you can always DM me. You can also always email me, Lorena, L-O-R-E-N-A, at dearlashlove.com. And let me know what you think about an episode. Like, did it hit home? Like, I would just love to know your thoughts. And if you enjoyed the episode, definitely write me a review subscribe to the podcast so you get updates. And then you can also follow along on my Instagram and it's dear lash love. And then we also have a separate Instagram for just the shop. So I wanted to create that one so that it was all products so that you never missed out on updates 
Um, I feel like my dear lash love one is kind of just an array of things. It's like what I'm doing throughout the day and I'm definitely plugging products, but it's going to be a little bit more about the podcast. And then the shop one is like all things shop dear lash love. We've got a ton of new things coming out. Again, I don't know when this episode is going to air, but you can follow along on social media, follow along on the podcast. I want to thank you for listening and for supporting me especially over this past year and especially over the past six months of me not knowing if I even wanted to do this. So thank you for motivating me. I hope that I motivate you as much as you do motivate me because I do have my days, just like I know you have your days where we're like, what are we even doing this for, right? But we have each other (laughs) and that's what this platform is for. So I'll leave you with that and... I want to say I'll see you next week, but truthfully, I don't know if I will because I don't know. I don't know the schedule of this podcast, but I'll see you soon. 